to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to Thanks, guys, for helping to lead that and set the tone for worship tonight. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you today. Welcome to worship. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. It's good to have you. If you're worshiping online with us today, good to have you as well. We're celebrating Transfiguration this weekend. That's uh, commemorating when Jesus went up on a mountain with three of his disciples and was transformed right there before them. At least he, he was shown to them in his divine heavenly glory, and they, um, they got to witness that. Amazing. We'll talk about that a little bit today as we um, celebrate that. that. With Transfiguration, that's always the last weekend before Lent starts. So Lent starts this next week with Ash Wednesday. Valentine's Day is actually Ash Wednesday, believe it or not, kind of an interesting combination of things. We have worship on Tuesday mornings each week during Lent, uh, 11 a.m. at our Faith Ministry Center, 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays also at our Faith Ministry Center. There are new devotional books for the new series that starts with this week uh, that's called Questions of Faith. So you can uh, pick those books up if you want the written version of the devotions that go out each week. Um, Next weekend... We've been talking about this for months now. We've been letting you know for weeks not to show up next week here on site. If you show up here next Saturday or Sunday, the doors will be locked and closed and nobody will be here. So don't come here. Go to Lawrence Chapel Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Where the idea is for our whole church family to be together in one spot. Uh, we we can't accommodate that in our facilities here, so we are, we're we're borrowing Lawrence Chapel, and we're going to gather together and celebrate our 75th anniversary. Officially, that day is on Tuesday this week, on the 13th, but we're celebrating that uh, next week on the 18th. Lawrence Chapel, 10 a.m. Uh, there's shuttle service. There's parking there, but there's also some parking at the Paper Valley Hotel. You can uh, shuttle back and forth if you'd like to do that. Um, out in the commons, uh, on the, the table that's out there in the commons, is a couple things. Number one, there are some small cards that you can write some favorite memories of uh, your experience with faith, something that you really love about faith, a prayer that you have for the future of faith. There's different uh, versions of those cards. You can write those, leave them in the box. We'd love to hear that, hear about that from you. We'll decorate the, um, uh, the tables at our lunch next week as part of our 75th anniversary celebration. Um, also, there's a, a, a handout here for a prayer walk we're not doing an organized prayer walk where we all go together for a prayer walk, but we're inviting you to take, there's, this looks like this, Faith for Generations, it says at the top, and it says prayer walk. And there are actually prayers written out, and there, there's a map in here. It tells you actually where are the stations here at Celebration. We also have some over at Faith Ministry Center. And uh, you can go to those places to see, you know, what are, what are we doing? We're, as we're celebrating our 75th, we're also, uh, we're also working on a capital fund drive, 
which will actually help us to fix up some things with our properties. And the prayer walk is to actually pray over those places where some of those renovations are gonna be done and affecting ministry uh, that we do as a church. So you can go on a prayer walk on your own um, here and our, over at Faith after worship, uh, pick up one of those. Um, and I mentioned the fun drive. We are gonna be bringing in our pledges next Sunday. So when we're together at Lawrence Chapel, the idea is that we're bringing our pledges for that campaign. We're asking for three years to pledge above and beyond your normal giving. And our goal is over three years to raise $2.5 million to help with those renovations around our facilities. So here's something I want you to hear. Um, our, our leaders, 100 of our leaders from our congregation recently were asked to give their pledges early so this is our staff, our board of directors, group leaders, um, uh, some major volunteers around our congregation who uh, give them themselves regularly and lead. And we ask 100 of our, of our households to give their pledge early. We have just over 100 pledges received before next weekend. Get this, so far, totaling $1,242,000. That's what our leaders of our congregation are pledging to our future here at Faith. And if you haven't given your pledge yet, we're inviting you to join us in that pledge over three years and add to that $1.242 million that we have so far and help us raise two and a half so we can do all the projects that, that, we, uh, that we know we need to get done around here, okay? So, Join us next week, bring your pledges. If you can't be there next weekend, we'd love to hear uh, you know, what you plan to contribute anyway. Um, last two things that I'd like to point out, um, out in the commons after worship today, uh, some volunteers from Celebration Lutheran School are gonna be uh, selling coupon books. They're raising money for uh, uh, curriculum, which is a new thing every six or seven years and it's expensive, so they're raising some money for that. Uh, take note of that. And finally, I'm gonna invite up a friend of mine, Kevin Tesh, who's one of the leaders of our congregation. You might see him every once in a while drumming here with our band. And uh, Kevin is gonna share just a, a brief thought here uh, tonight before we kick off worship. I'm gonna use the podium. <laughs> okay, can you hear me okay? All right. So, um, Kevin Tesh, I've been a member of um, Faith for about 30 years, and my faith journey started about 32 years ago at the Glendale campus. I was dating my wife at the time, came down the center, looking at the glory cross, it's beautiful, and then I looked, you have drums in church. And I thought, wow, what a cool church already, because um, I play drums. But my, my journey is really about faith, family, and fellowship. My own personal faith, um, faith has just helped me grow through men's group, Bible studies, um, listening to, to sermons, um, being part of the music ministry. It really helped me be um, a better servant of the Lord, uh, a better father, and a better spouse. And the resources we have helped me do that. From a family point of view, I've been blessed to watch three generations. My in-laws have been members for about 55 years. So my wife grew up in this church, seeing the impact that faith has had on them, then my wife and I and my kids. 
And really what it did is it, it formed a foundation of our relationship as a family. Um, God is just at that core, and when you can experience uh, that at a church, it's something special. And fellowship. Um, part of sitting here and all the different things we have, we have a trusted community together that we can have fun with. We can lean on each other, uh, and that's just a wonderful blessing in a crazy world. So you think of what is faith? Faith is kind of like a customer service guest center. When you're lost, it has all the answers. You can come and hear the word of the Lord. Um, you can plug into people and, and find your way. It's also like a hospital. When you're broken and sick, you find healing and forgiveness. And it's also a place to have a good time, praising the Lord, all of the potlucks, and wonderful things that we get to do. So when I think of stewardship for me, I looked up the definition. Stewardship is careful and responsible management of something that's entrusted to us to care for. When I think of faith and what we do as a family and give back of our time, talents, and resources, it's we're, we're, we're taking care of the church, and that's what um, my family and I feel blessed to. So I end with, why do I do it? I love the Lord, and I love others, and I want to give back. And I thought of the Super Bowl weekend, and you think about all the hype and the you know, crowds going crazy, players are ready, but no one comes on the field. Our call from Jesus is to step up, get on the field, and I'm blessed to be a part of the faith team. Thank you. Love it. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that. Before we kick off with our music, I'd love for you to stand, turn to one another, and greet, greet each other in the Lord. why don't we stay standing and sing a song um, just talking about how we can come to the Lord um, and but he first he came to us and he showed love to the world so let's sing about it
Lord, I need you. I fail without you. I come to you. I confess to you. I am broken without you. I have sinned against you. Hear my confession, Lord, and cleanse me of my sin. I cannot cleanse my sin on my own. Forgive me, Lord. We know your mercy is abundant and your grace is never ending but we do not desire to abuse the grace you freely give. Cleanse our hearts and minds of the desires of the world. We kneel at your feet in repentance. Amen. God is so very gracious. Even when we do abuse his grace, he freely, lovingly, endlessly gives Grace again and again and again shows his love and forgiveness. Amazing. It's my privilege as one of your pastors to announce God's grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven in Christ. Amen. Please be seated as we sing. Time I had hope. Thank 
Jesus for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus. It has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. You brought me from the darkness into glorious light. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting. to invite the children who are here to come up to the front. Come up, guys. A little children's message tonight. All 
I love you brave ones who are coming up so quickly. Yes, come on up, guys. So any of you play sports? And I bet that when you play on a team, you have a coach. Am I right? Someone who gives you some pointers about how to play, whether that's soccer or basketball or volleyball or dance or karate, anybody, you know? Yeah, you have a coach, right? Do you listen to your coach? Do you? What about teachers? You go to school, right? And you have teachers? Maybe you're homeschooled and your parents are teachers? Yeah, you have to, do you listen to them? Why? Why do you listen to your coaches? And why do you listen to your teachers? You have no reason whatsoever. You just listen, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, um, do they maybe have some information that you've never heard before? And so they're teaching you and you listen to learn some new information? Um, have they maybe done what they're asking you to do before and they have some experience with that? Like your coaches who know how to play soccer because they've played soccer before and they tell you how to kick the ball and, or how to shoot in basketball? Anybody? Yeah, right? Like following and listening to them? Why? Are they gonna lead you astray? Are they gonna teach you something that you're not supposed to, that's supposed to do? Not usually. Aren't they asking you to do something that's gonna make you successful? Smart? And educated? Do you know why they do that? Why they coach you and teach you? Do you know why your parents ask you to do certain things that maybe you don't always want to do? You know why they ask you to do those things? To learn? Yeah, why else? Because they want what's best for you. Why do they want what's best for you? Because they love you. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, they're asking you to do things certain ways because they want the best. And they, they, do, they want what's best for you because they love you. We're gonna to talk today, you're gonna to hear a story about Jesus and his disciples. And one of the things that we hear in the story of transfiguration is a voice from heaven that says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Should we listen to our coaches? Should we listen to our parents? Should we listen to our teachers? Yes, but most especially, we should listen to who? Jesus, God. Yeah, absolutely, because he knows what's best. All right, will you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus. You repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for our teachers, for our coaches, for our parents, and everyone who teaches us. Help us to be good listeners, not just to hear, 
but to obey. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, thanks for coming up today. Appreciate you. Go back to your seats now. When God speaks, we should listen. And he speaks to us through his word. So we're gonna listen to that word now in 1 and 2 Kings chapter two. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. 50 men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his clothes and tore them apart. Our second reading is from Psalm 50. The mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my consecrated ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness for God himself is judge. Now for the reading of the gospel, I invite you to stand in honor of our Lord. Reading from Mark chapter nine. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain 
where they were alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. So there are Bibles that are on the chairs there for you if you're here in worship with us today. Um, I know they're not enough for every chair, so you might have to share with those around you. You could also pull up your own Bible or pull out your own Bible. Pull up the Bible on your phone app if you want. There's a version uh, app on your phone. Pull that up too. If you're at home, grab your own Bible as well. Um, Mark chapter 9 is on page 1011. 1011. That's easy. Mark 9. We'd love for you to just be able to see this in its context. It is good for us to be here. (laughs) That's Peter's reaction to being on a mountaintop with Jesus as he is transfigured before them. Literally metamorphed, right? He's metamorphed before them. So Jesus looks every bit like an ordinary man, normally. I mean, although Peter, James, and John had seen him do some pretty miraculous things, you know, walk on water, heal the sick, cast out demons, feed thousands with very little, and even raise the dead. But he normally looks like a normal, plain guy. But then they go up on this mountain, apart from the crowds, and Jesus, Jesus is transfigured, metamorphed right in front of them. And they get to, to see a, a peek behind the curtain, if you will. It's like the, the veil that normally hides the spiritual things from the things we see physically with our physical eyes. It's like that veil is, is, is moved, it's raised up, and they see Jesus for who he is, God. They get a glimpse of the majestic glory of the King of Kings in dazzling white. It's a breathtaking, beautiful sight. And no wonder, he says, it is good for us to be here. In fact, it's so good that he wants to put up three tents, three shelters, right? Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, Peter says. But I love this parenthetical comment. Look at verse six. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Darn right they were frightened. And they should have been. They're standing before the Lord God Almighty. The Bible tells us that Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light whom no one can see or has seen. 
Exodus chapter 33, God himself says, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. There's a story in the Old Testament, Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah has a vision where he sees the Lord God high and exalted up in all of his glory. And Isaiah says, woe to me, I am ruined. You know, in essence, he just says, "Uh uh-oh. Although probably a little bit more expletive than that. Uh, My my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, right? He's he's terrified. Revelation chapter one, the apostle John sees the risen Christ in all his heavenly glory. And John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. I often like to say that sinful human beings and God, a holy God, are much like uh, human body and the sun. If you could travel through space and go right up to the sun, uh, Look out, right? You're doomed. Be, first you would burn to a crisp and then you would just, pfft, every atom in your body would just, just vaporize, right? Just, you'd be gone. That's like a sinful human being next to a holy God. They don't mix well. Right? This is why Isaiah said, woe to me. And why John fell at his feet as though dead. And why it says, they were frightened. I honestly can't imagine why Peter said it is good for us to be here. (laughs) In fact, it is a pure act of God's grace that they're not just vaporized as they're standing on the mountain with Jesus in all his glory. Oh man, there is so much. If you open your Bibles to Mark 9, page 10, 11, there's so much richness in this text. Just eight verses, Mark 9, two to nine, there's so much to talk about. I mean, they're on a mountain and a cloud envelops them, which really like it recalls back to Exodus when uh, Moses was on Mount Sinai and God was giving the 10 commandments and a cloud covered over the top of the mountain. I mean, it's, it's just like that. His clothes are dazzling white. It actually anticipates Easter morning when there's a young man at the, the empty tomb that declares to the women who came to the tomb, he's not here, he's risen. He was in dazzling white. And then there's this voice from heaven that says, this is my son, which goes back to Mark 1. And in fact, at Jesus' baptism, there's a voice that comes and says, you are my son, with you I'm well pleased. There's a fact that says in verse two, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And there's a whole, people comment about the fact that this is after six days, so this is the seventh day, which recalls creation when God is resting after all the work and there is a perfect creation. And here at the Mount of Transfigurations, anticipating a renewed creation at the last day, which is anticipated with Christ in his dazzling white glory. There's the fact that this scene, Mark 9, and all that comes after it, really you could say is like the whole gospel story in miniature. The God is in his glory, and yet he steps away from that glory and comes down from the mountain into the valley of darkness and brokenness and shame and hurt and pain into our world, right? That, that's exactly what happens from the Mount of Transfiguration to the next moment where God, where Jesus has to heal 
a young boy who's tormented by demons. And God comes down into the brokenness. And the, the word of God is really cool. I mean, all, all that stuff is packed in just these eight verses. And there's so much more. We could talk about this forever and ever. Um, so you have some time tonight, right? You don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> Kidding. You know, really I want to focus on just three words. Three words in verse seven. As the cloud enveloped them, listen, right? This is my son whom I love. And here are the three words. Listen to him. Listen to him. You've heard the expression in one ear and out the other. Yeah, yeah. teenagers and husbands get uh, accused of this a lot, right? Uh, it's, it's like the words go in this side and they come out this side and they don't register in the brain in between, right? Right? Um, There's a lot of that going on in the Bible. If you start with Genesis and you go to Revelation, you'll start to see a whole lot of that in one ear and out the other all over the Bible, Old Testament and New. Or the other thing, listening to all the wrong voices. The thing of Adam and Eve. God had said to them, here, you know, be fruitful, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Uh, you can eat anything in the garden, just don't eat from this one tree because as soon as you eat from that one tree and you disobey, then you will die. And this, God spoke to them, said this. But who do they listen to instead? The liar, the deceiver, the serpent, the devil, who comes and says, oh, no, 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 you won't surely die. And sure enough, they take from the fruit they were told not to, and they died. They not immediately physically died, but they spiritually died, were separated from God. In ancient Israel, they didn't have the written Bible at that time. So what did God give them? Prophets. Speak, we heard this in 2 Kings, the reading about Elijah and Elisha. There's this company of prophets. They were the preachers. They, they took the word from God and they spoke it to people. There were some that were named in the Bible, Elijah and Isaiah, one of my favorite names, Habakkuk, right? The prophets. First of the prophets was Moses. God spoke through Moses to speak to the people. Gave the first written law, 10 commandments and all the other law on the mountain covered with a cloud. And over and over again, Moses speaks for God and he says, listen, Hear, O Israel, listen to the decrees and stipulations, right? They're, they're called again and again. And by the way, all through the Bible, you get the sense that whenever they say hear or listen, it's not just about hearing it, but actually doing it. Uh, this, this is really interesting. Uh, they use the same word in the original language of the Old Testament for hear and obey. Listen and obey, same word. It's the same thing. You don't really hear it unless you're actually doing it. Then Moses spoke to the people and said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. These commandments are to be on your heart. 
impress them on your children, right? So they'll listen to you and have these words. Then Caleb, let's put up uh, Deuteronomy 18. Next one, Deuteronomy 18. After Moses, God said, through Moses, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own brothers. Then what does he say about this prophet? Get this. He says, you must listen to him. Sound familiar? Fast forward 1,400 years to the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses is there, Elijah's there. A voice comes and says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Here is the prophet that was to come. And then Elijah and Moses are gone. And it's just Jesus. Who are they supposed to listen to? Jesus, I heard someone say it, yeah. Who are we supposed to listen to? Jesus, yeah. And by the way, a little commercial here, a uh, little preview of what we're gonna do starting next week in worship. As we start the Lenten season, we're gonna do a series called Questions of Faith for Lent. Questions of Faith. And we're, we're gonna look at questions that Jesus asked his disciples. And a lot of them are rhetorical questions but they get us to reflect. And Lent is all about reflecting, right? Just take, slowing down and taking some time to, to, uh, to listen, to ponder. How am I doing with listening to God? That's really what the questions of faith are gonna ask us to do. How am I at listening to God? I think that if we're honest with our self-assessment during Lent, we're gonna find that there's a whole lot of in one ear and out the other that's going on. Not just, you know, that happened in the Old Testament. It happens with us. It happened with the disciples and the gospels. I mean, you look at the gospel of Mark, especially, and the disciples are doing a pretty lousy job of listening. Before, and especially after they've heard this voice from heaven saying, listen to him. It's remarkable. So we're gonna just take a quick look here. And this is why I wanted you to have your Bibles open. So if you close them now, it's time to open them up again. Uh, page 10, 11. In Mark chapter eight, verse 31, Jesus is there with his disciples and he says to them, he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, but what happens? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now Mark doesn't tell us what Peter said, but the other gospels tell us, no, never Lord, this will never happen to you. To be killed? No, no, no. He rebuked him. How's he doing at listening so far? Um, Mark chapter nine, verse 31. Skip ahead there. They passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, this is Mark 9, 31, 
The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him. And the very next scene is really interesting. What do they do next? They came to Capernaum, and when they were in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? They kept quiet because on their way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Here Jesus is saying he is about to die for the sins of the world, and they're arguing who's the greatest. Okay, skip ahead to the next chapter, Mark 10. A third time, Jesus predicts his death in Mark 10, 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while, they were, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what, he was going, what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. So the third time. Now, what did God say from the voice on the mountain? Listen to him. Three times now he has said, what's gonna happen? He's going to suffer and die and rise again. What's the very next scene? after Jesus says this in Mark 10. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, verse 35, came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And what do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left when you come into your glory. Are you kidding? Now, are they doing a very good job of listening? No, not at all. I, now, I'd really like to look down on and criticize the disciples, quite honestly, because they are a little slow on the uptake, you might say, right? But then I realize, you know, I'm not a whole lot better. In fact, I'm gonna put a few more verses up here from Mark 8, Mark 8, 34 to 35, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Now I gotta say, I'm not very good at denying myself and taking up my cross. Again, Jesus says in Mark 10, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to lead must become your slave. Whoever would be first would be last. Mark 12 Jesus says, this is among the top two commandments. <laughs> Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandment? First, love the Lord your God. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. Shoot. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I read those and I hear those and I'm thinking, 
uh-oh, I am no better than the disciples in listening to Jesus because I do the opposite of all those things, loving my neighbor as myself, as myself and putting others first instead of myself first. And then I realize just why Jesus had to step down from his glory and come into our brokenness. And as he says in Mark 10, to give his life as a ransom for many. This is why he came. This is why he gave his life as a ransom. Because you and I are so poor at listening. Slow on the uptake. And doing it all opposite of what God says. Now, if you listen to nothing else I say today, I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for you. He died so that you could live. For all the times when you've been slow to listen, quick to judge, quick to hate, quick to put yourself first instead of doing it God's way, he came to pay the price for all of it. It's the whole message of the gospel. The very first words of Mark's gospel, the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As a reader of the gospel, you know that, that secret. He's the Son of God. There's no one who admits that until the very end. Mark 15, one guy who says, this was the son of God. And it's a centurion when Jesus is dying on the cross. He's dead and a soldier says, this was the son of God. That's God <laughs> when he lays down his life for you. That's when he's in his glory. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. Because all the times when we don't listen and we disobey and we're quick to go at our own way, you have brought grace upon grace upon grace in Jesus. And you've forgiven us and made us new and given us life because you were willing to sacrifice yourself for us. God, motivated, transformed, inspired by this amazing love of yours, would you help us to listen? Would you help us to hear you? In the name of Jesus, amen. As we sing this next song, we're gonna gather our offerings to the Lord, uh, response to what God has given thanksgiving and gratitude. And, um, and then we'll bring our prayers to the Lord for those who are in need of his healing and encouragement.
everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. God, we thank you for that victory over the grave, which gives us such hope that we will be able to stand before you, not just like Peter, James, and John on the mountain, but in your full heavenly glory. See you face to face, to rejoice at your salvation. God, we, 
we pray that you would carry us in faith until that day. Whatever it is that we are facing here, the trials and the, the heartache and the trouble and the joys and celebrations in all those, we pray, Lord, that you would keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God in glory. Lord, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus that we might listen well, that we might be able to endure whatever hardship and trial might come so that we will not lose heart and grow tired and weary and fall from the faith. Lord, we pray your strength upon those who are especially facing physical ailments and disease and the pain and suffering of this world. We pray for Dottie Weber in her upcoming surgery, and Sue Gregesich in her hospitalization. We pray for Debbie Glass who is now in hospice care. We pray that you would give strength of faith, bring healing and restoration in your own time, Lord. We pray for those who grieve, including the family of Carol Betcher, who passed away this week. We pray that you would comfort those who lost someone they love. We pray that you would point them to the promise of the resurrection and eternal glory in your presence. Gracious God, we celebrate today with those who are remembering the special blessings, the baptisms, birthdays, anniversaries, we celebrate with the Hoffman family at the baptism of Rory and Ronald this weekend. We celebrate with Arlo and Karen McGowan as they celebrate their 59th wedding anniversary. Pray your blessings on all of them and of all these gifts which you give to us. Help us to remain faithful and thankful. In all these things, we pray that you would hear us for the sake of Jesus and who joined together in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Come set rule and reign in our hearts again Increase in our sweet So please with hope, with wildfire in our veins.